Hello, hello, hello. The bell has rung, and welcome once again to the Dr. Digital Podcast. Another great episode coming your way. Thanks for listening in. Let's get started. Chapter 2, Father's Rights. I'll bring her when I'm good and ready. I'm her mother, and I will decide. Click. She hung up. I knew who I had to call now. I looked up a local father's rights attorney, Robert Schlechter, and as he explained, you need to file a writ of habeas corpus with the court to get your child back in state. The Commonwealth has jurisdiction. So what do we do? What is the procedure? I will petition the court for jurisdiction. Anne will be served with papers, and she will have to return the child to the state. Gee, that's great. I want this to be over as soon as possible. Anne kidnapped Katrin on 31st of March, 1999, but I have a handwritten notes from Anne dated 12th of December, 1998, stating she only wants 50% guardianship, and another note from the same day requesting legal separation, which states, as of January 1st, 1999, my monies will be deposited into a separate account solely for the purpose of repaying the credit card debt for MBNA and First Card. Your name will be removed so you'll have no legal responsibilities. Hopefully, in August, I will also be undertaking the HEL, Home Equity Loan, after that. I told Robert, Anne promised to repay my parents after running up the plastic. Let me see those, I handed the papers to Robert. I'll need copies. She planned this California escapade for months, it looks like. Yes, it was in December that she deadbolted the spare bedroom and kept the only key. Then we need to get the kid back. The day to guide Katrin back home arrived blustery in the radio-predicted rain as I approached the court. The government services center is crowded, so I parked in back next to the trash. Once I got out of my car, the rain started. Now, this is annoying. I brushed horseflies off me to keep them from sticking on my damp clothes. Robert saw me arrive and greeted me warmly. All set? Yes, what do I do? I brought copies of my Act 34 police clearance and Act 151 child abuse clearances. That's fine. Just look like a concerned parent. This is pro forma, and you shouldn't need to do or say anything. Worrying is my job. I'm a parent. Robert smiled slightly. Do you see the other party? Is she any of these people? The stuffy room was crowded with attorney types carrying those file cabinets they call briefcases. Old newspapers strewn about, children with runny noses, and everyone looked like they would rather be somewhere else that day. No, she's not here. God, I'd hate to have our kid come to a dump like this. Hell, man, this is family court. Get used to it. I ignored Robert's barb, and I thought I just needed to get through today, and this will all be over. With my elbow, I nudged Robert when Anne arrived to indicate who she was. His eyes tightened as he appraised her. Catron was nowhere in sight. When do I get Catron? The order said Anne has to bring her. Robert put up his hand for me to shut up. Settle down. That's what the hearing is about. Anne has to produce the kid sooner or later. She has no choice. Does she always look like that? Robert had a point. Anne was wearing a plain matronly dress. She looked like an Amish woman, but without the healthy rosy red cheek glow. She appeared worn and tired. Theus versus Theus, the bailiff called out, and we all rose to go in. 
You stay here. I'll speak with Anne's attorney. I recognize her. That's Judith Krasner. Ms. Krasner was impeccably dressed in a conservative blue business suit. She looked sharp and made Robert look like the local folksy counsel he is. He paled before a Philadelphia attorney. Now I notice every crease in his suit and his disheveled hair. He brushed his locks back unconsciously to primp up his appearance with Judas. Miss Krasner commanded the room and her no-nonsense manner said, You deal with it. That's your problem. No wonder Robert recognizes her. The judge and the two attorneys bivouacked in the closed courtroom. I could not hear any distinguishable words, but after less than two minutes there was shouting from inside. I recognized Robert's voice and what I assumed to be what Judith sounded like, arguing. Ten minutes later they emerged. Robert strode right up to me and motioned for me to follow. Let's step outside. What's happening to here? I heard yelling. That wife of yours is a piece of work. Anne is at Selena's. In fact, she's holed up there for three days, apparently. This Selena is a neighbor? The flies reemerged. They seemed to know we were there. Yes, Selena lives just down the street. And as I stood next to the trash bin where spoiled cabbages assaulted my nostrils. In any case, Anne won't give up the child right away. A fly landed between the creases in Robert's suit. Distracted momentarily, but you said, forget what I said. Anne will bring the child over at 5 p.m. Robert's fly brought reinforcements. I brushed the pests away. Not now? Where is she? Look, I don't know, but the judge ordered the child delivered, and Judith will tell Anne not to violate the court order in no uncertain terms, and therefore to drop the kid off. I don't like it, but if it has to be, then it has to be. I turned to go, miffed. Mm, one more thing. The kid goes back to Anne. I glared at Robert. What? What do you mean, goes back? Robert finally noticed the flies. Mother gets the kid back. Anne will pick her up. He brushed the flies away, pinched his nose in disgust with the stench of rotting vegetables. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that after kidnapping our child, the judge is just ordering our child back to her? That's crazy. It began to mist. This is how it works out. I told you that your kid would return. Well, she's returned. Robert started away, putting his captain's case over his head from the rain. The mist turned to a light rain. Our child should return home. I followed Robert to press the point and followed him to his car as he got in. Have you changed the locks on your door? His Mercedes window just cracked to be heard. Well, no, I mean, I don't know what Ann's plans are. He started up the car. Got 200,000 miles on it. Still runs like new. Ann still has a key? His Mercedes sounded like it had 200,000 miles on it. A fly into his window. I said nothing about it, the flying in. I guess she plans to live with Selena. There's an empty in-law suite in her basement. Look, Anne abandoned the home. She left the state. What is wrong with you? I'd change the locks on your house immediately. I saw too much confusion in Anne's eyes. Robert began to pull away. All right, well, I'll keep in touch. Thanks, I guess. I was soaked, but I'm not sure I could have done anything about it. I am not too pleased with this turn of events, I thought, but 
I stopped by a local lock shop so they could deadbolt the house. Once back at work, I concentrated as best I could until our star and angel returned home. I was paged at a client's site. Dr. Theus, it's Bob from the Big Valley Lock and Key Shop. Did you know that there are two women in your house? One says she's your wife. You're kidding. Okay, Bob, listen, whatever you do, just don't give them the key. Sure, Doc, I won't. Bob, can you wait there? I'll be there in five minutes. I'll be right there. Wondering what would be ripped off now, I met Bob where his blue truck with the big white key painted on the side was parked in our driveway. One of those blue EMS firelights that volunteers have was over the cab. Bob moonlights, I thought. Makes sense. He's unflappable. A brown coverall handily hid his bulky lumberjack frame. Hey, Bob, now no one else has a key to the house except me, right? He laconically eyed me and didn't comment on how out of breath I was, flushed with nerves. Right, you can make a copy if you want, but that is the master you have now. Great. Thanks for your help. I wiped my forehead of perspiration. You see this often? Not pleasant, but yeah, known to happen. Most of my calls like this are along the main line. Bob adjusted his cap. He spat his brownish tobacco juice artfully and away from me. The sun was going down. He had his evening in mind, but he stood like a sentry waiting for command. Well, thanks for your help, and especially for calling me right away. Kate, anything else? No, that's it. I wrote a check for his trouble. Bob slowed to a crawl and seemed like he was in no hurry to gather his tools. I looked through the bay window, and Selena and Anne were inside, grinning. Selena looked like a devious Mona Lisa, hiding something in her bosom. As I walked towards the house, pungent cigarette smoke, the intruder's vintage Kent smokes, smacked me at the door. The smell revealed that they were there for several rancid smokes. "'Hey, Biggie. No, Biggie. We were just leaving,' Anne said. I stopped at the door. "'I don't think it's a good idea that you're here. You should leave.' They both stood where I found the John Bonet Ramsey book. I left my sunglasses on so they couldn't see my eyes. Then I glanced around so they could not tell where I looked. They were giggling with excitement. I wondered what got ripped off. I noticed Selena had a box tucked into her belly like a fullback driving up the middle. I stopped in my tracks, not daring to get any closer. They exited through the backyard French doors, the start of home improvements we never finished. Behind my shades and out of the corner of my eye, I saw that Catron's picture still stood in pride of place, so at least that was safe. I felt relieved. Hey, Bob, I called out as he was still leaving, installing, loading up his van. I found out what they wanted. I stored things in the basement. Bob raised eyebrows, answered that he wondered. Was that? They snagged my cards. Cards? This is Mick, the doctor of digital, signing off. Mick, as in Jagger, except he's got more money. Mick, the doctor of digital, signing off. The doctor of digital, like cotton candy for your ears, Deus Volk.